You take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We continue in our sermon series on the book of Proverbs. We've come this morning to the first section that is the call of wisdom. There's few of these in the book of Proverbs where wisdom is personified, uh, made into a person for us. In this text, unlike Proverbs 8, which we'll get to a little later in our study, in this text, wisdom is personified as a woman. And she is a great preacher in this text. You know, in our world, often things that are wise are scoffed at. Things that are according to God's Word are looked down on and made fun of. I'm certain that many of you have experienced that even maybe possibly this week. Possibly at work, possibly at school, possibly in your home. That God's ways are not like man's ways. And man's ways are far from God's ways. Our world is a world filled with get-rich-quick schemes, sex before marriage, adultery and sex during marriage, the rejection the rejection of the order which God has placed in the home, in society, and through government. The foolish belief that by creating chaos, the world can progress forward. The ways of man, the ways of you, the ways of me, are not God's ways. And wisdom in our text today will cry out to us to repent. This is her message. Repent of yourselves. Reject folly and follow Christ. Her warning, if not heeded, the Bible tells us in this text, will end in our destruction. Not just our temporal, momentary, physical destruction, Oh, that happens. You see, I've sat across from a weeping one as they've been diagnosed with disease. Not the kind of disease you get without any sin, you know, the common diseases. I've sat and talked to those in college and older with sexually transmitted disease. Facing immediate, temporal consequence from their sin. I've sat across from the husband on more than one occasion, unfortunately, who, by his own choices, has destroyed his marriage. I've sat across from the drunk and the addict. Temporal destruction will come if you reject wisdom. Well, let me tell you, there's nothing greater than sitting across from that same person who is so addicted to wine, strong drink, and drugs that their life and their liver have failed them. And to see the power of the gospel transform a dead man into life. To see the shattered trappings of a once promising life 
ravaged by diseases that could have been easily prevented. And yet to see that person humbled before the Lord and brought into eternal salvation. Will they suffer temporally, momentarily, and in this life? Yes. But they will not suffer in eternity. And I've sat with, as many of you have, those who have it all. Who are wealthy, who are healthy, who have the perfect American life, the grand two-child-and-a-half picket fence with a dog and a cat that sleeps outside in middle-class America. You've sat with them. Some of you are them. And wisdom's message, though temporally followed, is eternally rejected. I would rather you walk away from this sermon having suffered the temporal death of a bad diagnosis or bankrupt life tasting the fruit of eternal joy than to have you walk over here, out of here, out those doors, back into your normal, blessed, Christian moral life and have your knee bowed and have your tongue forced to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's coming. Our passage says it's coming. And when it comes, wisdom will not be your ally. As we will see in the text, she will be your accuser. Because you see, in the first two verses, in 20 and 21, the setting of wisdom is set for us. If you look at verses 20 and 21, it says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gate. What can we learn from a setting like this? The fact is, God has not hidden wisdom. God has declared wisdom. God has not secretly hidden in some mystical code the secret to life or the eternal fountain of youth. He has broadcast through creation and His Son and His Word a testimony which is true. And that is... Only by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, can you live. He has declared it in the open, public commotion of life. Believe and be saved. Reject and die. He has declared it. That's why it bothers me so much when I see so many people trying to find as if it is a mystery any longer. Some secret path to God. That's like you choosing to hack your way through a jungle when there's a four-lane highway in front of you. It's foolish. He has paved a way through His Son and He has put up billboards which cannot be missed. Go this way. 
And unfortunately, as we will see in our passage, many are trying to blaze their own trail. It breaks my heart to see loved ones, friends, family rejecting the only way. Wisdom is declaring it. She's raising her voice. Is she shouting? She's not whispering. She's not giving a secret message. She's not saying, hey, hey, come aside. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, but I don't want these over here to hear. No, it's a public declaration. It is a clear message. It is an easily discernible meaning. It's in the public square. It's in the city gate, which tells us in the setting here that she's not just talking to the general citizen. She's speaking to the leader and to the general citizen. She's in the public square where business is taking place. She's at the judgment seat of the judge. She's in the house of the leader. She's screaming forth her message, her wise plea. This is our setting. Wisdom has been declared. She is calling. She is screaming. She is publicly begging that someone would listen. Now, we drop into 22 through 33, the rest of this chapter, and it's her sermon and the synopsis of her sermon. That's what we get. But I want to set it for you. The Hebrew poet writer often, and Solomon is doing it here, uses what is known as a chiasm or a chiastic structure. He brackets, remember there's no punctuation, there's no chapters, there's no verses. When Solomon wrote the Proverbs, he just wrote them, okay? They just are there. And so they use these poetic instruments like chiasm or parallelism to join the text to help us know this all goes in one place. He's done it very well. I just want to quickly give you that, and then I'll give you an outline. But I just want to show you that so you don't get confused. It's easy to get confused here. 22 through 23, we could call that part A. Look what, he, what wisdom says. How long, foolish ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking, and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Now, the parallel, or the the second part of that, is verses 32 through 33. For turning away, for the turning away of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. You see how her warning, wisdom's warning, is given the result. The synopsis. Drop down the next group of verses, 24 through 26. We might call them B in this chiasm. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terrors strike you, when terrors strike you like a storm. And your calamity comes like a whirlwind. Verses 24 through 26 are parallel for us in verse 30 through 32. You were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. 
You didn't listen to me, so you will eat the fruit of your foolishness. And then the final part of this goes together, fits together in verses 27 and 28. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when troubles and stress overcome you, then they will call me, but I will not answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. The parallel, verse 29. Why will they call to me and he will not answer? Wisdom will, why will she not answer? And why will they, uh, will they, will, why will they search for her but not be able to find her? Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and they did not choose to fear the Lord. Now that's the Hebrew structure of the passage. The setting, verses 20 through 21 then 22 through 33 are her sermon, and they're divided chiastically. They work together as pieces. Now, I want to lay over that because we're such a didactic and uh, outline-oriented culture. I've, I've slowly begun to believe that. I'm hard-headed. But because it helps, I want to give you my outline, okay, and preach through it for you. First, we see... Wisdom's warning. Verses 22 through 23. Wisdom's warning. What is wisdom warning against? She's warning the fool of his ignorance. Do you know foolish people love ignorance? There's not a foolish person you will ever meet who thinks they are foolish. They believe they're wise. That's what makes them a fool. They love and extol their ignorance. The old adage, better to be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Because see, a fool, what makes him foolish is not that he doesn't know or understand something. It's that he thinks he does understand. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't have an answer. That's not foolish in the Bible's terms. What's foolish in the Bible's terms is to not have an answer and to think you have the answer. So wisdom is warning these fools, these who love ignorance. She's warning. And what is she warning them? Of the coming judgment. Her announcement to them is, your foolishness will take you to the eternal grave. Reject it. That's her call. How do we see that? How long will you mock and enjoy mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, parallel, I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my word. If you respond to my warning, then I will teach you my word. In a congregation that loves the sovereignty of God, as we rightly should, wisdom is saying you are responsible. God holds you accountable. If you reject His warning, if you turn your back on His Messiah, if you reject His word of wisdom from His word, you are foolish and you will sit in your own punishment. Your own eternal judgment. God 
is not hiding his message. He is declaring his message. It, as Romans 1 says, leaves us with no excuse. Wisdom's warning is, respond to me and I will show you my word. I will teach you. I will train you, we might say. We get wisdom's warning, which leads us to wisdom's judgment in verses 24 through 27. Since I called out and you refused, since I extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I, as a result of and in turn, will Laugh at your calamity. I will mock your terror when you are terrorized by the storm. When your calamity comes on you like a tornado. When trouble and stress overcome you. I will not be on your side, wisdom says. I will mock you. You mocked me, and now I will mock you. So often we're so quick to judge, aren't we? We, we see the evil that's going on in our day, and we think they're getting away with it. Not only are they getting away with it, but their lives are growing in influence, and their ideas are ex- getting traction, and they're growing in wealth, and they seem to always get the fairy tale ending. Wisdom assures us there's no fairy tale ending for the fool who rejects God's message of grace. There is destruction. One of my heroes said this way, not about this text, but I've been general about the principle we're learning today. He said, God is so merciful that he gives the sinner his joy in this life. For all he will taste in the next is misery. And God is so wise. He dare not tempt his children with joy in this life's trappings. Because the eternal joy that waits is so much greater. Some of you need that today. You need that perspective change. Everything's not going right for me. I don't like the way my life feels. I don't like the things that are happening to me. I think God has forgotten me. No, He hasn't. No, He hasn't. He gives good gifts to His children. In this life, often good gifts are the wilderness. The hard. The seemingly impossible. It's what made Abraham... Look to the city whose foundation was not on the earth. It's what made Moses reject the spoils of Egypt and cling to Christ. It's what caused Abel to give a more perfect sacrifice. It's what called Joseph to reject the adultery which was offered to him by a woman of, 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 his, of his, uh, his boss's wife, Potiphar's wife, and accept his fate in prison. It's this perspective that God's 
ways are not man's ways. And what seems like foolishness to this world is often God's wisdom. Since judgment is coming, there's a need for repentance. I called out to you and you refused me. I extended my hand and no one paid attention. Never should we be guilty of believing that God has not offered salvation. This week I was talking with my grandmother. She's 80 years old now. Pastor's wife for 50 years. She asked what I was preaching on and I talked to her about that. And then I said, what are you teaching in Sunday school? I knew it was her turn to teach Sunday school. She said, I'm teaching on 1 Peter chapter 2, first 10 verses. I'm having a problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, it says in here that, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but what it says is, is that there are those who are preordained to accept Jesus as the rock and those who are preordained not to accept Jesus and then he's a stumbling block. That's pretty good. That's what it says. Yeah, but I got a problem with it. What's your problem? I thought we all had choice. I thought we all had a decision to make. I said, we do. Long pause. What do you mean? It says he preordained it. He, my, my commentary says that means he chose. Yes. So we don't have a choice. No, that's not right. We do have a choice. Well, I don't understand it. You're not God. You're, you're not God. I'm not God. So many people are acting as if they don't have an opportunity to hear the message of wisdom which comes from God, and therefore they have no hope and no choice. But the Bible says just the opposite. If you hear me, then I will teach you my word. If you accept my warning, judgment will not come. That's what wisdom is saying. So you're sitting here right now, some of you, and you're outside of Christ. And you've thought of all the reasons why you can't come to Christ. And I want to tell you that Christ has overcome all those reasons. And He's calling you to come. And He's promising you that if you don't come, you will face judgment. Well, i got a long time to live. friend told me today, or the other day, about a young man he went to seminary with. He's diagnosed with ALS one year after seminary. For the next year and a half, he lost all abilities. He's a young man, 27, 28 when he graduated seminary. He's pastor in a church. He had three children. When he came to the point of death, where most people just die, this man, believing it was his role in life, placed himself, asked that he was placed on a ventilator. He's still alive. 
say, that's horrible. I was talking to Amy about it. That's horrible. This is what he said. He said, I want to live. And I want the whole world to know that I have hope in Jesus Christ. Today, he's a professor at an online seminary. Teaching others about the gospel. How? Through technology that reads his eye blinks. That's all he has. Eye blinks. It reads it and prints it out for the students. He's trapped and confined in a bed. He was in his late 20s. He was struck down, we would say, before his time. But in God's wisdom, he had already accepted the warning and repented of his sins. As bad as his life is, his eternal life is secure. Closer to all of us, you can be in your mid-30s and go to the doctor with stomach pain only to find out you have inoperable cancer of not only your stomach, but your abdomen, your lymph nodes, possibly your lungs. You have not years to live with your three children and your beautiful wife probably in human terms have months. You better have settled the question and know the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, or judgment will be worse than cancer. And you will not have the defense before God, I didn't know. Because He will preach to you possibly Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 20 and 21. My message was preached to you. It was declared openly. You could be in any number of things. You could live a long life. You could be 85, 86. Hardened against the gospel living a reclusive life, waiting out your days. I don't know what's coming in your temporal life, but I know, based on our passage today, if we had no other passage in the whole Bible about judgment, we would know this. Judgment's coming. Just from the warning of wisdom. If you respond to my warning, I will teach you my word. Since I called out and you refused, because you've rejected me, now I will mock you. I will laugh at you and I will mock you when your calamity comes. Wisdom's warning, wisdom's judgment leads to wisdom's certain vindication. Wisdom's certain vindication. Notice the assurance of verse 26. I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock with terror strikes you. There's no doubt here in wisdom. What it, wisdom's not saying, if I'm proven right, then you will, you, I will laugh at you. Wisdom's saying, I will do this. You see that? The message of the gospel is not up for debate. It's not, in the Bible, taught to us to be a message which is still in question. The message of the gospel is true. It's real. It's right. 
and it will have its day. Look at what the day will be. When all this happens, when terror strikes, when judgment comes, when the judgment comes like a sudden whirlwind, an unexpected trouble strikes, then the fool will call for rescue. In, in the Hebrew, the meaning here is for self-preservation. This is not their calling for salvation. This is save me from my destruction. The motive is not I believe. The motive is I don't want judgment. Hell is filled with people who don't want hell. Now that they're there. But they also, hear it clearly, do not accept the gospel. There is no figurative gate keeping people in hell. Nobody has to be kept there. They won't leave. Because the only way out is the way of wisdom, the way of the gospel. Belief in Jesus Christ. And even in the fire of hell, they will not accept it. So, when the judgment comes and when it pours itself out on you, then you will call to me, rescue me, one drop of water on my tongue for relief, send someone to warn my brothers not to come to this place, but I won't answer that. They will search for me, for my goodness and for my mercy, but they will not find me. Wisdom's certain vindication leads to wisdom's exaltation. Wisdom's exaltation. If you look at verse 29, it says, Because they hated the knowledge, they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They rejected my correction. They now will eat the fruit. They will glut themselves on their own schemes. They will continue turning away. And that turning away will be their death. It will kill them. It will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, whoever accepts my warning, Whoever calls on me will live securely. The eternal security of the believer, because of his faith in Christ and because of Christ's inability to lose his children, is definite, is certain. And they're free from the fear of danger. Basically, there's two ways of life. There's the way of the wise and the way of the fool. One is of your own making, and one is of God's way and making. One is your own knowledge, and one is God's knowledge. One is your own plan, and one is God's plan. They're laid out clearly for us in the Scriptures. The end of one is destruction, and the end of the other is life. So I wonder, what are you choosing? 
You won't be able to stand before God and say, you never told me. I did not know. Jesus has overcome all of that. The message is clear. The call is to repentance, to faith, to belief. What will this last day look like? As we close, I just ask the question, you know, what will this last day look like? What will it be like when we see him in all of his glory? Philippians chapter 2 gives us the picture of the exaltation of wisdom. Jesus Christ. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs chapter 1 and is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Verse 6, Jesus existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man in his exter external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Let me stop there. At that moment, every fool mocked Christ. The fools at the foot of the cross laughed at him. Wagged their heads, the Bible says. They shouted out, You who healed many... And raise the dead. Save yourself if you're the Messiah. When he cried out to his father in agony, they mocked. Listen, he's calling for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes and rescues him. There's two ways. One is wisdom. One is foolishness. Jesus is on the path of wisdom because he is wisdom. He's on the path that in this world looks foolish, but according to God's plan is wise. His opponents are on the way of the fool, which in the world's eyes looks brilliant, looks stunningly acceptable. Anybody at the foot of the cross would have said with them, if not out loud in their heart, you know, I think they're right. I think he's a phony. He's dead. He can't be God. He's dead. Look how the passage continues, though. Just like our passage in Proverbs, this passage continues. Wisdom looks to be foolish. It's being scoffed at and mocked and laughed at. For this reason, God has exalted him. And given him the name that is above every name. Wisdom exalted looks like Jesus Christ at the right hand of his Father. And wisdom vindicated so that at the knee, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow.
of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Proverbs 1, 20-33 was lived out in the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and will be finished when He comes again. Jesus will not only be exalted, but He will be vindicated. I want you to think, at His feet again will be the same ones who mocked Him who laughed at him, who cursed him. They'll have a different view, won't they? The dying Savior will be the ever-living one. The way that seemed foolish will be right. Question for you is Will you be there with them, having mocked and laughed and scoffed? Or will you be welcomed by faith? It is, it is given to you that you've been given this message, it has been shouted and proclaimed. Come. Come to Jesus. Don't delay. Escape the wrath of God. Take hold of the Savior.